0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Best plays transcribed with John Chapman. Best Plays, a series of hour-length dramas selected from the outstanding successes of the New York stage. Now, John Chapman, drama critic of the New York Daily News, is here to introduce Madeline Carroll and Jerome Cowan in Tonight at 8.30 by Noel Coward.
1: (laughs) Mr. Chapman. For our performances on this broadcast, we have chosen two plays which show the range of Noel Coward's skill. The first of them, called Ways and Means, is the kind of light, smart, slick comedy we usually associate with the name of Coward. A piece about a husband and wife who have run into debt on the luxurious Riviera and must try to find ways and means of taking it on the land gracefully and with dignity. Writing a play, be it long or short, is only a part of the theater. The main part, no doubt. But a comedy or a drama does not come into being, does not become real until it is performed. The new ingredients which must be added are the actors. And they should be just right or our effort will fall flat. Noel Coward and Gertrude Lawrence were, of course, just right in the Broadway run of Tonight at 8.30. For our performance now, we have chosen the pair of stars who also should be just right. Madeline Carroll and Jerome Cowan. Miss Carroll, who comes from England, was known here only as a movie star and a very popular one until she appeared on Broadway in 1948 in Goodbye, My Fancy. All of us drama critics were delighted and surprised at her gift for light comedy. But if we had looked into her background, our astonishment would have been less, for Madeleine Carroll had had a solid education in stage acting in London before she became the heroine of such films as The 39 Steps. Our other star, Jerome Cowan, is also well known in the films and has a fine stage background in such varied enterprises as stock, vaudeville, musical comedy, comedy, and drama. Just the man, I'd say, to be in all nine plays of tonight at 8.30. And now for our first play, Ways and Means. French Riviera, sometimes known as the Côte d'Azur, is a narrow coastal strip of land at the foot of the Alps bordering on the Mediterranean Sea. It is dotted with fashionable resorts, lush hotels, and extravagantly appointed villas. It is in one of these villas, the Villa Zephyr, that a young English couple, Toby and Stella Cartwright, have come to enjoy the Riviera's scenic beauty, luxuriant vegetation, mild climate, swimming, good food. All factors conducive to life of gracious and harmonious living. It is morning, and the Cartwrights have just wakened to another gracious and harmonious day.
0: I knew marrying you was a mistake at least seven years ago, but I never realized the thoroughness of the mistake until now. I can just see tomorrow's newspaper. Mr. and Mrs. Toby Cartwright have left the Villa Zephyr under a cloud. Not yet, they haven't. Owing to the idiocy of Mr. Toby Cartwright losing his shirt at the casino. Oh,
3: Lord, must we go back over that again? Yes, we must. Don't you see? We've got
0: to do something.
3: Darling, what's the use? I lost 50 pounds gambling. Do you want me to write it down so you don't
0: forget? It isn't that I want to rub it in about the 50 pounds. Really, it isn't.
3: But we're in the most awful jam, and we've got to concentrate. We concentrated up until 4.30 this morning, and nothing came of it.
0: Will you promise not to take offense at anything I say for ten minutes? (laughs) That means you're going to be absolutely brutal. Promise?
3: All right, I promise.
0: We must face facts. Now then, our combined incomes amount to 750 pounds a year.
3: Until Aunt Hester dies.
0: Aunt Hester will not die. She's outwitted life for 70 years and is now determined to outwit death. It's indecent. Never mind about that now. Our combined overdrafts amount to roughly 1,300 pounds, in addition to which you owe 3,000. What about you? 2,000.
3: I don't understand why you don't get a job of some sort. Look at Lisa Herrick. She at least made some effort. She opened a hat shop. And shut it again. No talent, that's what's wrong with you. No marketable talent whatsoever.
0: You seem to forget that on a certain bleak day in 1938, I gave my life into your keeping.
3: Marriage is a sacrament, a mystic rite, and you persist in regarding it as a sort of plumber's estimate. Be
0: quiet. Where was I?
3: Oh, wandering along the paths of memory, my dear, with a singularly nasty expression.
0: You will admit, I suppose, that we live beyond our income. Oh,
3: you have a genius for understatement.
0: It's no use quarreling. The 50 pounds has gone. We've already overstayed our time here. The Loring's are expecting us in Venice. We have at the moment 114 francs, and we are down 2,400 francs in the bridge book.
3: That's entirely your fault. You play bridge too merrily, Stella.
0: My merriment is entirely a social gesture. I loathe
3: bridge. That's no excuse for playing it as though it were lacrosse. I don't know what you mean. Your bids have a certain girlish devil-may-care abandon. You whoop through every rubber like a games mistress. What do you mean, whoop? What I say. Whoop. W-H-O-O-P. Oh, do be quiet.
0: What was I saying? Never mind. Within the next week, we shall be asked definitely to leave. Olive was dropping hints all over the dinner table last night like confetti. We can't leave. We'll have to. Uh, chaps owes you some money, doesn't he? Yes, backgammon, 7,000 francs. Hmm.
3: Thank God for that.
0: If we travel to Venice second class...
3: Yes. Oh, not second class.
0: And send Nanny home... Now, I
3: can't think why you had to bring her in the first place. I don't have a valet. Why should you have a maid?
0: Nanny's not a maid. Nanny saved our lives a million times.
3: Yes, wrongly.
0: Anyhow, I... Who is it? Well, chaps,
4: old man. Come and say goodbye.
3: Oh, come in, Chaps. Good
4: morning. How do you feel?
3: Frightful. So do I. Good.
0: You look very sweet, chaps, darling, and very dapper. Why are you up so early?
4: Well, it it's after 11. I came to say goodbye, and, uh... Oh,
0: of course. You're leaving today. I'd forgotten. Are you going to Maybane Bridge?
4: Yes. Guy's picking me
0: up. Oh, you must find out all about that chauffeur scandal and wire us immediately.
4: What's your first scandal?
0: Don't be silly, darling. The whole coast is buzzing with it. Oh, that. I, well, I almost thought yeah.
4: it was a valet. Do you think it's true? I mean, do you think May Bainbridge
3: really did that?
0: Certainly. You only have to look at her.
3: Don't be catty, Stella.
0: As May Bainbridge has been consistently odious to me for years, I don't really see why I shouldn't be as catty as I like.
3: Well, after all, Chaps is going to stay with May and George.
0: Serve him right. Oh, Uh... May's
3: not bad. She just has an unfortunate manner.
4: To
0: be not bad with an unfortunate manner is not an excuse You seem a for... bit
4: scratchy this morning. <laughs> well, compared with what took place in the night, this is purring. Well, it's a nice sunny day, anyhow.
0: It had better be.
4: I had an awful evening. I got stuck with Pearl Brandt. She insisted on playing at the big table. I lost a packet. You what? Just dropped about 400 pounds. Cleaned myself out. Oh, chaps. She kept on asking me to go in with her she never ran a hand more than two coups except once then she passed it after the fourth and it ran eleven times
3: chaps did it occur to you to strike her in the face
4: so i wondered if you'd mind waiting for that seven thousand francs i owe you stiller until i get my allowance uh when do you get your allowance first of may
0: of course i don't mind chaps it doesn't matter a bit
4: it's awfully sweet of you
0: don't be silly Good morning. Can I come in? Oh, of course, Olive. Oh, good morning, everybody. I'm suicidal. What's the matter? Oh, everything's the matter. I've just had a telegram from Nicky and Vera to say they're arriving tomorrow. It's most awful bore it means that I shall have to turn you up, which I absolutely love.
3: Oh, don't worry about us. We've got to go to the Loring's anyhow.
0: Oh, but I do. I adore your being here. You're the nicest guest I've had in my life. We've loved every minute of it. That must be Guy. Olive,
4: have you any messages for May Bainbridge?
0: None that I could possibly send her.
4: Well, goodbye, Toby. Stella. And goodbye, Chap. Goodbye,
0: I'll be right down, chaps, to see you off. Give Guy a drink. He's probably had three already, Olive. Oh, I do feel so hurried about turning you out. Don't be silly, darling. We've overstayed frightfully, but we were having such a lovely time. Oh, you do understand, don't you? Oh, perfectly, Olive. Oh, thank you so much. See you later. Dear Olive...
3: I think I should like something quite dreadful to happen to her. You know, something really humiliating, like being sick at a court ball. How dare she? It's insufferable.
0: After all, she badgered us to come.
3: Oh, Now she's badgering us to go.
0: Isn't there anyone we could cable to?
3: Don't be silly, dear. We've exhausted every possible telegraphic savior years ago. Now think. Think. There must be some way
0: out. There isn't. It's no use. Nothing's any use. Listen, darling. This is desperate. We've got to take a chance. What do you mean? Your bracelet. Don't be so absurd. It wouldn't fetch 15 pounds. Toby, what are you ringing for? Nanny.
3: We'll send her into Cannes with it this afternoon.
0: But I tell you, it... Shut up. Listen, at worst, we can get a couple of
3: thousand francs for it. Even then, what's the use? This is the use. Now listen, I'll gamble tonight.
0: Oh, Toby, no. <laughs> oh,
3: there you are, Nanny.
0: Good morning, Nanny, we're in the most awful trouble. Well, I don't wonder lying about in
3: bed on a lovely morning like this. None of those nasty moralizations. Uh, here, Nanny. Well, what's this? A bracelet. Go into Cannes this afternoon and huck it. Oh, I couldn't, do.
0: Oh, I really couldn't.
3: You must.
0: That lovely bracelet your Aunt Agnes left you? Listen, Nanny, we've got to leave tomorrow, and we haven't got any money at all. We owe a lot as well. You must do this for us. Go in by the 12 o'clock bus. Please, Nanny. Oh, I could let you have a little, you know.
3: We wouldn't hear of it, Nanny.
0: Anyhow, a little's no good. We've got to have a lot. Well, I shan't get much on the bracelet. Well, get what you can. Promise you will, Nanny.
3: Well, that
2: man in the pawn shop will split his sides when he sees me again. Nanny,
3: please.
0: Oh, won't you let me advance you a little? I could go up to seven pounds.
3: I tell you, Nanny, we couldn't possibly dream of such a thing.
0: Oh, very well. How much do we owe you already? Three hundred and forty-two pounds. Oh, dear, it's madness. Stock staring madness. Now, Nanny, please hurry.
3: Go now. Go like the wind. <laughs>
0: Hobie, the damage is done now. Do please stop striding about and come back to bed. It's after two. There was no
3: reason to what happened. It had nothing to do with the law of logic or the law of compensation or the law of anything. It was just low, senseless, bad luck.
0: Never mind, darling.
3: Mind? I shall mind to the end of my days. The whole beastly scene is etched onto my brain and blood. I went up to the table. Seven, my lucky number, was miraculously vacant. Just then, Pearl Brandt, that New Jersey hag, tapped me on the shoulder. It's terrible, she said. I can't find a place anywhere. Will you be a dear and let me have yours just for a little while? I'm feeling so lucky tonight. She was right. Right? She ran the bank 17 times collected 170,000 francs with all the delicacy of a starving jaguar let loose on a butcher shop and then graciously gave me back my place.
0: Whereupon you proceeded to lose our 2,000 francs in the brief space of four minutes and join me in the bar wearing what might be moderately described as a set look.
3: Correct. Now, is there anything more you'd like to say?
0: Not for the moment.
3: Then we might talk of something else.
0: I can't see any necessity to talk at all.
3: That is only because you are temporarily exhausted by your own verbosity. Your natural flow will return in a minute.
0: I was fond of Aunt Agnes, and she was fond of me.
3: Now that rather cloying relationship belongs mercifully to the days before I met you.
0: She left me that bracelet in her will.
3: It uh, seems odd that she should symbolize her great love for you with such an undistinguished little trinket. Toby! If it's all the same to you, I would prefer to leave Aunt Agnes where she rightfully belongs, warbling through eternity with the feathered choir.
0: There's no sense in going on like this. We've got to face facts.
3: Oh, Lord.
0: Toby, don't you see that Your
3: passion for facing facts is rapidly becoming pathological. You'll go mad, that's what you'll do. Spend your declining years being led about some awful institute by a keeper, facing the fact that you're the Empress Eugenie. Don't be so idiotic. Oh, I'm sick of facing facts. In future, I shall cut every fact I meet stone dead. I intend to relax, to live in a lovely dream world of my own, where everything is hilariously untrue.
0: Oh, darling, what are we going to do?
3: I know. Let's go quietly but firmly along the passage and murder Pearl Brandt. We should be hanged. (laughs) It'll be worth it.
0: She sleeps alone, you know.
3: Yeah, I'll bet she does.
0: She is separated from Irving by the bathroom. It would be deliciously easy.
3: I hate her so. There's a certain austere scientific beauty about my hatred for that shrill harpy.
0: Like higher mathematics. Can't you talk about something else? I consider this particular topic exhausted, and I don't want to get angry again. Angry? Again? I shall never stop being angry until death closes my eyelids. Being angry is very bad for you. I believe that when you're angry, all the red corpuscles in your blood fight with the white ones.
3: (laughs) Well, if that's so, my circulation at the moment would make the Battle of Mons look like a Morris dance. (sighs) It's
0: dreadfully late. We'd better go to sleep.
3: Sleep. Sleep. I shall never sleep again.
0: Nonsense. Go and brush your teeth. Oh, but darling... Go on, leave the door open. The noise of your gargling will give me a sense of security, as though everything was all right. From now onwards, I intend to live in the past. The present is too
3: unbearable.
0: Stella! What?
3: What are we going to do?
0: I told you just now, I refuse to discuss it. I'm too tired.
3: If you broke your leg, we should have to stay, shouldn't
0: we? I have no intention of
3: breaking my leg. Modern women have no courage. In olden times, women did brave things for their menfolk every day of the week. I don't look upon you as my menfolk. Think of the girl who put her arm through the latches of the door to save Bonnie Prince Charlie. In my opinion, a misguided ass. I won't hear a word against Flora MacDonald.
0: It wasn't Flora MacDonald.
3: Don't be so ignorant. Of course it was. Flora MacDonald never stopped doing things like
0: that. It was not. Who was it then? I don't know who it was, but it was not Flora MacDonald.
3: I suppose you'll tell me it was Grace Darling in a minute. I see no reason for you to suppose any such thing. Stella, it was Flora MacDonald.
0: It's a matter of supreme indifference to me, whether it was Nell Gwynn or Marie Antoinette. (laughs) Well,
3: we're getting on. By a process of tedious elimination, we might ultimately arrive at who you
0: think it was. Where'd you put the toothpaste? It's in the cabinet. I tell you, I don't know who it was. I only know who it wasn't. And it wasn't Flora McDonald. Oh, Lord. What happened? I'm hurt. Well, what sort of hurt? Badly hurt. Oh, darling. Oh, oh, what a shame. The door of that blasted bathroom cupboard. Oh, my poor sweet. Well, do something. It's bleeding. Where's the iodine? How do I know? Oh, oh, here it is. Oh, no, that's eye drop. Here. Oh,
3: it's agony. Oh, stand still. I don't want to stand still. I want to jump out of the window. This is the end. Don't be so
0: silly. Lord, look at that crack. I'm certain it's concussion. Stand still. stop telling me to stand still. I'm doing my best. Don't be so
3: childish. Oh, for this to happen on top of everything else. This is too
0: much. Never mind, darling. Not even bad enough to keep us here. You could pretend it's concussion and behave very peculiarly tomorrow morning. I couldn't carry it through.
3: I'm too depressed.
0: Get into bed, darling. Well,
3: stop ordering me about. I'm not an invalid yet.
0: Does it hurt, Toby?
3: Was that question merely rhetorical, or do you really care? Of
0: course I care. It's horrid for
3: you. Well, it does hurt, Stella. It hurts dreadfully. Try to forget it. That remark was plain silly. Do you want to read? Read? I doubt if I shall ever be able to read again. I'll turn out the light, then. It'd make no appreciable difference to me if the light of the world went out. My mind is a trackless waste of impenetrable darkness. That's right, dear. (sighs) Oh, Stella, what are we to do?
0: We'll deliver ourselves over to Olive, bound and gagged in the morning. We'll meet her delighted, patronizing contempt with fortitude. We'll humiliate ourselves without flinching. We'll add up how much we need and borrow it from her gaily as though we enjoyed it. No matter how broken we are, we'll never let her see that...
4: Yeah, like Flora MacDonald.
0: It was not Flora MacDonald.
2: Toby. Toby. Toby, wake up.
0: Huh? Toby Shh There's someone in the room. What? There's someone in the room, standing there against the window.
3: Oh, oh, who's there? Oh, dear. Keep quiet and you won't get hurt. Oh, good Lord. Scream, Stella. He wouldn't dare
0: shoot. Scream yourself.
3: Uh, uh, You there. Uh, What do you want? Where's your jewelry?
0: We haven't a thing here. You've chosen probably the worst room to burgle in the whole world. I'll turn on the light and you can see. Good Lord, it's Stevens. Oh, madam. Stevens, how could you? You
3: ought to be ashamed
0: of yourself. I had no idea, sir. Madam, I I didn't realize you were staying here. Did you really mean to burgle this house? Yes, madam. But why? You can't suddenly become a burglar all in one minute. You were a respectable chauffeur last week.
3: Uh, uh, that was before the crash came, madam. You mean it was before George Bainbridge threw you out? Yes, sir. Really, Stevens? <laughs> he dismissed me straight away. Without even a reference.
0: You should have applied to Mrs. Bainbridge.
3: Stella! I'm desperate, madam. I haven't even got a bob.
0: That's no excuse for becoming a criminal.
3: Well, that's the usual excuse. Uh, Begging your pardon, madam? Stevens, you'd better get along. And uh, I'll keep the gun, if you don't mind. We ought to hand you over to the police. Oh, please don't do that, sir. I've had an awful time. I've got a wife and child in Walthamstow. I've got to get back somehow.
0: Toby, I've got an idea.
3: Don't be an idiot, Stella.
0: Stevens, come here. You like us, don't you? Oh, very much, madam. Do you trust us? Trust you, madam? Yes, I, I mean, will you trust us if we trust you? I I don't understand that. I'll explain. We are broke, cleaned up. Now look here, Stella. What's the use? Toby, of... don't be such a fool. Don't you see? E- excuse me, sir, but uh, <clears throat> What
3: have you done to your head? Well, never mind about that now.
0: Mind about it. It's the most important thing in the world. You did it, Stevens. You knocked him out. Oh,
3: madam, I would never do such a
0: thing. Yes, you would. If you were an intelligent, professional burglar, you would. You'd knock him out. Then you'd bind and gag us both. Then you'd burgle the house and get away with the... the swag. Swag, madam? That's what it's called. Oh, what? what's what called, madam? The money that you're going to take from this house tonight. Oh, oh, madam. Listen, a few yards away from this room, there is wrapped in plebeian slumber a lady from New Jersey called Mrs. Irving Brand. Uh, Darling,
3: I'm with you. In the
0: top right-hand drawer of her dressing table, just to the left of the door, there is a bundle of 170,000 francs. Oh, dear. Halves, Stevens. We'd go halves.
3: Oh, madam, I, I don't think I dare. Be a man, Stevens. Go
0: on. It's the last door on the right at the end of the passage.
3: The carpet is soft and you won't be heard. Oh, madam.
0: As soon as you have the money, hurry back here. Give us half. Tie us both up and get out.
3: Think of all them, so, Stevens. Think of the wife and kids. All right, fellow. I'll do it. Come along,
0: then. Go down the corridor to the last door on the right. Dressing table on left of the door. Top right-hand drawer. Good luck, Stevens. Good luck,
3: Stevens. Thank you, madam. Thank you, sir. Thank you both very much. Stella, did you hear anything just then?
0: It's Stevens. I'm oh. sure he's coming back. Stevens? Yes, madam. Light, Stella? Was she asleep?
3: Snoring, madam. Naturally. You are, madam, the swag. Come on, Stevens. Help divide them. Oh, I'd rather not, sir, if you don't mind. I, uh, I'd rather you add the money. I happen to find these diamonds on the dressing table. They'll do
0: me nicely. Stevens, for shame. Take them back at once. Why, they can be traced. I'll manage all right, sir. you must take half the money. Oh, I'd really rather not. It's extraordinarily generous of you, Stevens.
3: You and madam have always been very nice to me. If you'll pardon my saying so, sir, it feels somehow as if we were old friends.
0: Thank you, Stevens.
3: Well, Stevens, I I suppose you'd better bind and gag us. Uh, uh, use some of those neckties on the rack there. right sir.
0: You must look us up when you come to London, Stevens. Thank you, madam. We're in the telephone book.
3: Oh, don't use that tie, Stevens. It happens to be my best. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, is, um, is that too tight, madam? Not at all. As a matter of fact, I've, uh, I've been thinking for a long time of giving up domestic service. Mm-hmm. I'd, uh, rather get a job that was more steady, more respectable, if you know what I mean. I couldn't
0: know better.
3: I think my brother will be able to help me. Oh, what does he do? He's got a very nice position in Barclays Bank, sir. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. Well, there you are. All tied securely now. <laughs> Quite comfy? (laughs) Yes, quite. Quite. I'll be getting along now. Thank you very much, sir, madam. It's been a great pleasure meeting you again. Good night. Good night. Good night.
1: For our second play, Still Life, we'll look in on an entirely different set of people the sturdy, solid, middle-class British. In his affection for them, Noel Coward has found a fragment of drama in the lives of two of them, Laura and Alec. Let us listen now to Laura as she tells how it began to happen.
0: I'd been up to London that day. I always went up on Thursday for shopping. Sometimes I'd see a movie or pay a call. And that day, it was in April, I remember, had gone very much like any other Thursday. Now my holiday was over, and I was in the refreshment room of the Milford Junction Station. Usually I took the 5.25 train, so a few minutes after 5, I drank the last drop of my tea and started toward the waiting platform. Just as I opened the door, the express train roared through the station. And in the same moment, I felt the most dreadful pain in my eye. I, I was starting back to ask the waitress for some water to bathe it when someone nearby said...
3: Oh, can I help you?
0: Oh, no, please. It's, uh, it's only something in my eye. Well,
3: please let me look. I happen to be a doctor.
0: Oh, it's very kind of you.
3: Uh, Turn round to the light, please. Yeah. Now look up. Ooh. Now look down.
0: Mm.
3: I can see it. Keep still. There.
0: Oh, dear. What a relief. It was agonizing.
3: Hmm. Oh. Looks like a bit of grit.
0: It, it was when the express went through. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, not at all. How lucky for me that you happened to be here.
3: Anybody could have done it.
0: Never mind. You did, and I'm most grateful. There's my train. Goodbye. On the train, I remembered that he had looked about 35 and that he had carried a small black bag and that he had very pleasant eyes. And then my mind traveled ahead to Fred and the children who were waiting for their dinner, and I didn't think of him again. The following Thursday, I finished my shopping in time to see a movie. I had just bought my ticket and was entering the lobby when someone spoke behind me.
3: Well, hello. How's the eye?
0: Oh, how do you do? It's all recovered now, thanks.
3: Are you taking French leave, too? No. Are you? Well, not really. All my patients claim they're well today. It's April weather, I suppose. <laughs> uh, may I see you to your seat? I think it's time for the feature.
0: I suppose so. Uh, thank you very much. When the film was over, we left the theater... And since we were both going to the station, it seemed completely natural to walk there together. There were a few minutes left before my train, so I accepted his invitation to have tea with him and some buns which he brought from the counter.
3: How awfully nice you are.
0: When I was a child in Cornwall, we we lived in Cornwall, you know. May, that's my sister, and I used to climb out of our bedroom window on summer nights and go down to the cove and bathe. It was dreadfully cold, but we felt very adventurous. I'd never have dared to do it myself. But sharing the danger made it all right. That's how I feel now, really.
3: Eat your bun. It's awfully bad for you.
0: You're laughing at
3: me. <laughs> yes, a little. I'm laughing at myself. With
0: Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: For feeling a small pang when you said about being guilty.
0: There you are, you see.
3: Well, we haven't done anything wrong. Of
0: course we haven't.
3: An accidental meeting. Well, then another accidental meeting. Then the movies. What could be more ordinary, more natural?
0: we are adults, after all. I never see
3: myself as an adult, do you?
0: Yes, I do. I'm a respectable married woman with a husband and a home and three children. But there must be a part of you, deep down inside,
3: that doesn't feel like that at all. Some little spirit that still wants to climb out of the window, that still longs to splash about a bit in the dangerous sea.
0: Perhaps we none of us ever grow up entirely.
3: How awfully nice you are.
0: You said that before.
3: I thought perhaps you hadn't heard.
0: I heard all right.
3: Oh, I'm respectable too, you know. I I have a home, wife, children, responsibilities. I also have a lot of work to do and a lot of ideals all mixed up with it.
0: What's she like? Oh, Madeline? Yes.
3: Ooh, she's small, dark, rather delicate.
0: How funny. I should have thought she'd be fair.
3: And your husband, what's he like?
0: Medium height, brown hair, kindly, unemotional, and, and not delicate at all.
3: You said that proudly. Did I? What's the matter?
0: The matter? What could be the matter?
3: You suddenly went away. <coughs>
0: I thought perhaps we were being rather silly. Why? Oh, I don't know. We're such complete strangers, really.
3: It's one thing to close a window, but quite another to slam it down on my fingers. I'm sorry. Please come back again.
0: Is tea bad, for one? Worse than coffee, I mean?
3: (laughs) If this is a professional interview, my fee is a guinea.
0: (laughs) It's nearly time for your train.
3: And I hate to think of it, chugging along, interrupting our tea party.
0: I really am sorry now. For what? For being disagreeable.
3: I don't think you could ever be disagreeable.
0: You said something just now about your work and ideals being mixed up with it. What ideals?
3: Oh, that's a long story.
0: I suppose all doctors ought to have ideals, really. Otherwise, I should think the work would be unbearable.
3: Surely you're not encouraging me to talk (laughs) shop.
0: Do you come here every Thursday?
3: Yes. Yes, I come in from Churley, spend a day in the hospital. Stephen Lynn graduated with me. He's the chief physician here. I take over from him once a week. It gives him a chance to go up to London and me a chance to observe and study the hospital patients.
0: Is that a great advantage?
3: Of course. You see, I have a special pigeon. What is it? Preventive medicine. Oh, I see. (laughs) I'm afraid you don't.
0: I was trying to be intelligent.
3: Yes. Well, most good doctors, especially when they're young, have private dreams. That's the best part of them. Sometimes, though, those get over-professionalized and strangulated. Am I boring you? No, I don't quite understand, but you're not boring me. Well, what I mean is this. All good doctors must be primarily enthusiasts. They must have, like writers, painters, and priests, a sense of vocation. A deep-rooted, unsentimental desire to do good.
0: Yes, I see that.
3: Well, obviously, one way of preventing disease is worth 50 ways of curing it. That's where my idea comes in. Preventive medicine isn't anything to do with medicine at all, really. It's connected with conditions. Living conditions. Common sense. Hygiene. For instance, uh, my specialty is pneumoconiosis. Oh, dear. Don't be alarmed. It's simpler (laughs) than it sounds. It's nothing but a slow process of fibrosis of the lung due to the inhalation of particles of dust. In the hospital here, there are splendid opportunities for observing cures, making notes. Because of the coal mines.
0: You suddenly look much younger. Do I? Almost like a little boy.
3: What made you say that?
0: I don't know. Yes, I do. Tell me. Oh, no, I couldn't really. You, you were saying about the coal mines.
3: Oh, yes, yes, uh, the, the inhalation of coal dust. That's one specific form of the disease. It's called anthracosis.
0: Oh, what are the others?
3: Uh, calicosis. That comes from metal dust steelworks,
0: you know. Oh, yes, of course, steelworks.
3: And silicosis, stone dust. That is from gold mines.
0: I see. Oh, there's your train. Oh, yes. You mustn't miss it. No. What's the matter?
3: Uh, nothing. Nothing at all.
0: It's been so very nice. I, I've enjoyed my afternoon enormously.
3: I'm so glad. So have I. I apologize for boring you with those long medical
0: words. I feel dull and stupid not to be able to understand more. Shall I see you again? It's the other platform isn't it, you'll have to run. Don't worry about me. Mine's due in a few minutes. Shall I
3: see you again?
0: Of course. Perhaps you could come over to Ketchworth one Sunday. It's rather well far, I know, but we should be delighted to see you. Oh,
3: please, please.
0: What is it? Uh, next
3: Thursday, the same time? No,
0: I can't possibly. I
3: Please, I ask you most humbly.
0: It's your train. All right. Run. Uh, yes, goodbye. I'll be there.
1: Oh, thank you, my dear. <laughs>
0: I met Alec the following Thursday and the Thursday after that and every week that summer we went for walks in the park and rides in the country and and to the movies and sometimes we just sat in the refreshment room at the station and talked. After each meeting I would promise myself never to meet him again would wait with a kind of horror that Thursday would never come and then at the last minute meet him with conscience stricken joy. I became a kind of stranger to myself, never daring to define our relationship, even in my mind. But the time came when I had to have it out with myself and with him. One October day, in the refreshment room of the station, I finally told him that I would not meet him again.
3: We can't part like this.
0: I think it would be better if we did.
3: You don't really mean that.
0: I'm trying to mean it. I'm trying with all my strength.
3: Oh, my dearest dear.
0: Don't, please don't.
3: It's no use running away from the truth, darling. We're lovers, aren't we? Lovers in our hearts.
0: Can't you see how wrong it is, how dreadfully wrong?
3: I can see what's true, whether it's wrong or right.
0: It's this dreadful station always meeting here.
3: We could meet at Stephen's house.
0: So furtive to meet like that.
3: There's no chance of his coming in until late. Nobody need ever know.
0: It's so cheap. Much better not to love at all. It's
3: too late not to love at all. Be brave. We're both in the same boat. Let's be generous to each other.
0: What is the brave in it? It would be far braver to say goodbye and never see each other again.
3: Could you be as brave as that? I know I couldn't. Couldn't you? Oh, listen, my dear. This is something that's never happened to either of us before. We've loved before, been happy before, miserable and contented and restless. But this is different. Something lovely and strange and desperately difficult. We can't measure it along with the values of our ordinary lives.
0: Why should it be so important? Why should we let it be so important? We
3: can't help ourselves.
0: We can, we can, if only we're strong enough.
3: Why is it so strong to deny something that's urgent and real? something that all our instincts are straining after. Mightn't it be weak and not strong at all to run away from some tremendous longing?
0: Is it so real to you, so tremendous?
3: Can't you see it is?
0: It's so difficult, so strained. I'm lost.
3: Don't say that, darling.
0: Loving you is hard for me. It makes me a stranger in my own house. Familiar things, ordinary things that I've known for years, like like the dining room curtains, and the wooden tub with a silver top that holds biscuits, and a watercolor of San Remo that my mother painted, look odd to me, as though they belonged to someone else. When I've just left you, when I go home, I'm more lonely than I've ever been before. I passed the house the other day without noticing and had to turn back. And when I went in, it... It seemed to draw away from me. My whole life seemed to be drawing away from me, and I don't know what to do. Oh, darling. I love them just the same, Fred, I mean, and the children, but it's as though it wasn't me at all, as though I were looking on at someone else. Do you know what I mean? Is it the same with you, or, or is it easier for men? I don't know. Please, dear, don't look unhappy. I'm not grumbling, really. I'm not... I
3: don't suppose being in love has ever been easy for anybody.
0: We've only got a few minutes. I didn't mean to be depressing.
3: It isn't any easier for me, darling. Honestly, it isn't.
0: I know. I know. I only wanted reassuring.
3: I hold you in my arms all the way back in the train. I'm angry with every moment that I'm not alone. To love you uninterrupted. Whenever my surgery door opens and a patient comes in, my heart jumps in case it might be you. One of them I'm grateful to. He's got neuritis. I give him sunray treatment. He lies quite quietly, baking. I can be with you in the shadows behind the lamp.
0: How silly we are. How unbearably silly.
3: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday.
0: Thursday.
3: It's all right, isn't it?
0: Yes. Of course it is.
3: Don't pass the house again. Don't let it snub you. Go boldly in and stare that cheap watercolour out of
0: confidence. All right. And don't bake your poor new writer's man too long. You might blister him. There's your train.
3: Oh, uh, I'm going to miss it. Please go. No.
0: I wish I could think clearly. I wish I could know, really know what to do
3: you trust me? Yes, I trust you. I don't mean conventionally. I mean really. Yes. Everything's against us. All the circumstances of our lives. Those have to go unaltered. We're nice people, you and I. We've got to go on being nice. Let's enclose this love of ours with real strength and let that strength be no one is hurt by it except ourselves.
0: Must we be hurt by it?
3: Yes. When the time comes. Very well. All the furtiveness and the secrecy and the hole and corner cheapness can be justified if only we are strong enough. Strong enough to keep it to ourselves. Clean and untouched by anybody's else knowledge or even suspicions. Something of our own forever to be remembered.
0: Very well.
3: We won't speak of it anymore. I'm going now. Back to Stephen's flat. I'll wait for you. If you don't come, I shall know that you weren't quite ready. But you needed a little longer to find your own dear heart. This is the address.
0: I don't remember how long I sat there, staring at the address Alec had written on the notepad. I finished my cigarette and realized vaguely that my train had come and gone. And as soon as I heard the sound fade into the distance, I left the station stepped into a taxi and gave the driver the address of Alex's friend's apartment. Hello.
3: Bless you for coming. Oh, let me take your coat. Thank you. Well, what's this? You're trembling.
0: It's uncommonly cold for October. It's here. Uh, have some tea. I've just made it. You've laid the tea things for two... Were you so sure I'd be here, Alec?
3: I only hoped and prayed you would. You know, it's the first time we've been alone together. Really alone. Yes. All of London out there and these four walls shutting away the world, so we too might be alone. Alec. don't be frightened. Who could it be? I I think it might be Stephen will come home early.
0: What can we say to him?
3: Well, we'll tell him... We'll say... Are there
0: any stairs down the back, some way out?
3: Okay, there's no need for that. I'll make some explanation. I can't, I can't. Well, then through the kitchen. There's a stairway down to the street. Wait for me at the station. My coat, my coat, quickly.
0: Darling. Oh, Alec, I want to die. <laughs>
3: darling, I was afraid you wouldn't be here.
0: Please go away. Please don't say anything. I
3: can't leave you like this.
0: You must. It'll be better. Really, it will.
3: You're being dreadfully cruel.
0: I feel so utterly degraded.
3: It was just a beastly accident that he came back early. He doesn't even know who you are. He never even saw you.
0: I listened to your voices in the sitting room. I I crept up and down the stairs, feeling like a fallen woman. Oh,
3: don't, dearest. Don't talk like that, please.
0: I suppose he laughed, didn't he, after he got over being annoyed? I suppose you spoke of me together as men of the world.
3: We didn't speak of you. We spoke of a nameless creature who had no reality at
0: all. Why didn't you tell him the truth? Why didn't you say who I was and why we were there? Using his flat because we had nowhere else to go and were afraid of being found out. Why didn't you tell him we were cheap and low and without courage? Why didn't you? Stop it, Laura. It's true, don't you see? It's
3: true. It's the thing of the sort. I know you feel horrible. And I'm deeply, desperately sorry. I feel horrible, too. It doesn't matter, really. It was just bad luck. It couldn't affect us, really. You and me. We know the truth. We know we really love each other. That's all that matters. It isn't all that
0: matters. Other things matter, too. Self-respect matters and decency. I can't go on any longer.
3: Could you really say goodbye and not see me anymore?
0: Yes, if you'd help me.
3: I love you, Lara. I shall love you until the end of my life. All the shame that the world might force on us couldn't touch the real truth of it. I can't look at you now because I know something. I know that this is the beginning of the end. Not the end of my loving you, but the end of our being together. But not quite yet, darling. Darling please not quite yet
0: very well not quite yet
3: i know what you feel about this evening i mean about the beastliness of it i know about the strain of our different lives our lives apart from each other the feeling of guilt of doing wrong is a little too strong isn't it too persistent perhaps too great a price to pay for the few hours of happiness we get out of it I know all this because it's the same for me, too.
0: You can look at me now. I'm all right.
3: Let's be careful. Let's prepare ourselves. A sudden break now, however brave and admirable, would be too cruel. We can't do such violence to our hearts and our minds. Very well. I'm going away. I see. But not quite yet.
0: Please, not quite yet.
3: I, um... I want you to promise me something. What is it? Promise me that however unhappy you are, however much you think things over, that you'll meet me here next Thursday as usual.
0: Not at the flat.
3: No, no. No, be at the Picture House Cafe at the same time. I'll hire a car. We'll drive out into the country.
0: All right, I
3: promise. We've got to talk. I've got to explain.
0: About going away? Yes. Where are you going? Where can you go? You can't give up your practice.
3: Oh, I've had a job offered me. I, I wasn't going to tell you. I, I wasn't going to take it. I know now it's the only way out. Where? A long way away. Johannesburg. Oh, no. Yes, my brother's out there. They're opening a new hospital. They want me in it. It's a fine opportunity, really. I'll take Madeline the boys. They've been torturing me for three weeks on necessity of making a decision one way or the other. I haven't told anybody, not even Madeline. I couldn't bear the idea of leaving you. But now I see it it's got to happen soon anyway. It's almost happening already. When will you go? In about two months' time.
0: It's quite near, isn't it?
3: Do you want me to stay? Do you want me to turn down the offer?
0: Don't be foolish, Alec.
3: I'll do whatever you say.
0: That's unkind of you, my darling. I just can't.
3: Oh, Laura, don't. Please, please don't.
0: I'll be all right. Leave me alone a minute.
3: I love you. I love you. I know. We knew we'd get hurt.
0: I'm being very stupid.
3: Here's a handkerchief.
0: Thank you. Oh, has my train?
3: You're not angry with me, are you?
0: No, I'm not angry. I, I don't think I'm anything really. I feel just tired. Forgive me. Forgive you for what?
3: For everything. For having met you in the first place. For taking the piece of grit out of your eye. For loving you. For bringing you so much misery.
0: I'll forgive you if you'll forgive me.
3: I. Uh, I'll see you into the train.
0: No, please stay here. All right. Good night, darling next Thursday yes, good night good night the next Thursday we met as we had promised we took the drive in the country tried desperately to pretend that this was not the last time And left everything to be said at the last moment when we arrived back at the station.
3: Are you all right, darling?
0: Yes, I'm all right.
3: I wish I could think of something to say.
0: It doesn't matter, not saying anything, I mean.
3: I'll miss my train. Wait to see you into yours. No,
0: no, please don't. I'll come over to your platform with you. I'd rather. Very well. Do you think we'll ever see each other again?
3: I don't know. Not for years, anyway.
0: The children will be all grown up. I wonder if they'll ever meet and know each other.
3: Couldn't I write to you? Just once in a while? No,
0: please not. We promised we wouldn't.
3: Well, please know this. Please know that you'll be with me for ages and ages yet. Far away into the future. Time will wear down the agony of not seeing you. Bit by bit, the pain will go. But the loving you and the memory of you won't ever go. please know that. I know it. Oh, it's easier for me than for you. I I do realize that. Really, I do. I, I at least will have different shapes to look at, new work to do. You have to go on among familiar things. My heart aches for you so. I love you with all my heart and soul.
0: I want to die. If only I could die.
3: If you died, you'd forget me. I want to be remembered.
0: Yes, I know. I do, too.
3: Goodbye, my dearest love.
0: Goodbye, my dearest love.
3: You've still got a few minutes.
2: Hello, Laura! Oh, it's one of my neighbours. Laura, what a lovely surprise. Oh, darling! My dear, I've been shopping till I'm dropping. My feet are nearly falling off and my throat's parched. I thought of having tea and spindles, but I was terrified of losing the train. I'm always missing trains and being late for meals, and Bob gets disagreeable for days at a time. Oh, dear, this is Dr. Harvey. How do you do? How do you do? Would you be a perfect dear and get me a cup of tea? I don't think I could drag my poor old bones as far as the counter. I must get some chocolates for Tony, too. Oh, here's some money. Oh, no,
3: please. Excuse me.
2: My dear Laura, what a nice-looking man. Who on earth can he be? Really, you're quite a dark horse. I shall telephone Fred in the morning and make mischief. This is a bit of luck. I haven't seen you for ages, and I've been meaning to pop in. But Tony's had measles, you know, and I had that awful fuss about Phyllis. Oh, but of course you don't know. She left me. Oh, how dreadful. Mind you, I never cared for her much, but still Tony did. Tony adores her. Well, never mind. I'll tell you all about that on the train. Uh, here's your doctor with my tea. Thank you so very much. <coughs> They've certainly put enough milk in it, but it'll be refreshing. Oh, dear, no sugar.
3: Uh, it's in the spoon.
2: Oh, Of course, what a fool I am. Laura, you look frightfully well. I do wish I'd known you were coming in today. We could have come in together and lunched and had a good gossip. I loathe shopping by myself anyway. There's your train.
3: Uh, Yes, yes, I know. Aren't
2: you coming with us?
3: No, no, I go in the opposite direction. My practice is in Chirley.
0: Oh, I see.
3: I'm a general practitioner at the moment.
0: Dr. Harvey is going out to Africa next week. Oh, but how silly. I must go. Yes, you must Goodbye.
3: Goodbye. Goodbye, I...
2: Goodbye. Goodbye, Dr. Harvey. He'll have to run. He's got to get right over to the other platform. How did you meet him? I got something in my eye one day and he took it out. My dear, how very romantic. I'm always getting things in my eye and nobody the least bit attractive has ever paid the faintest attention. Which reminds me, you know about Harry and Lucy Jenner, don't you? No, what about them? My dear, they're going to get a divorce. At least I believe they're getting a conjugal separation or whatever it is to begin with, and the divorce later on. Oh, dear, is that our train? No,
0: that's Dr. Harvey's train. What were you saying, darling? It seems
2: that there's an awful Mrs. something or other in London that he's been carrying on with for ages. You know how he's always was to go off on business. Well, apparently Lucy's sister saw them, Harry and this woman, in the tape gallery of all places. And she wrote to Lucy, and then gradually the whole thing came out. Of course, was all most disgraceful. To, to begin with, I think was a dirty trick to make such a fuss openly. It might have been smoothed over perfectly easily. No one would have known anything about it. Okay, <sighs> I mean, what on earth the matter? Do you feel ill? I feel a little sick. I'll fetch you some brandy. I'm afraid it's out of hours. Oh, but surely... Surely, if someone's feeling ill,
0: there isn't time. That's our train. Well, take a sip when you get home. That'll buck you up. Yes, darling. I'm sure I'll be perfectly fine once I get home.
4: You have just heard the Best Plays production of Tonight at 8.30, starring Madeline Carroll and Jerome Cowan. And here once more is your host, drama critic John Chapman.
1: Well, there you have two Noel Cowards, the sharply intelligent, sophisticated, and the warm-hearted, middle-class Englishman. You may remember that our second play, Still Life, was made into a very fine motion picture under the title of Brief Encounter. Our thanks and our applause to Miss Carroll and Mr. Cowan for their engaging and versatile performances.
4: Listen next week for another best play. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.